You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you listen to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope that you've been having a good week. I hope that you are staying well. I hope that you are staying safe. Tomorrow, I am hosting another Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday virtual hang. I sincerely look forward to these every week. Last week's was a lot of fun. We were a lot of people. I feel that this is growing. So please spread the word. And this is me inviting you right now, tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Come hang out with me, some of the Vox and Hops alumni, other Vox and Hops heads, and my friends with a craft beer at 8 p.m. at the Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hang. It's always a blast. The link for that is available in the description of this podcast. You should come out. Today is the last of the episodes that I recorded before social isolation was a thing. Here is my chat with one of my favorite people to tour with. Today's episode is with Eliseo Garcia of Abysmal Dawn. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 132. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Eliseo Garcia from Abysmal Dawn. Super good to be back with you, brother. How are you? Good, man, and it's really good to see you. Yeah, yeah, we met on probably one of my favorite tours ever. How can you top this tour? Cannibal Corpse, Obituary, Cryptopsy, Abysmal Dawn. It was so much fun. Yeah, I don't know how we... That's probably my number one favorite ever. It was so much fun to hang out with you guys, the Cannibal Crew, everybody. Everybody was the best. Uh, but this, this tour is pretty awesome, too. But that one is definitely number one on my list. Just so many people that I met there, you know, meeting you, Charles, uh, James, uh, meeting Garrity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who became like such a just a we, we text each other frequently you know like he's, he came on the podcast twice huge shout out to andrew garrity the vox and hops alumni i love you brother love you garrity <laughs> we were at the same book this is one of my favorite places in montreal to come and drink craft beer if you're looking for good craft beer you should absolutely come here if you're in montreal we were just delivered a beautiful beer one of their classics. It's called the Malédiction. It is a milk stout. Let's see what this sucker's got. Cheers. Cheers. Mm, good, creamy, dark. It's a black beer. It's a milk stout. Uh, Klaus in at 5%. I've had it on the podcast a few times, actually. It's, uh, it's delicious. What do you think? It's pretty good. It's not too heavy like most stouts. It's very drinkable. Absolutely, yeah. Tell me about uh, you come from a craft beer mecca. You know, in California. Let's talk about that. Are you a craft beer enthusiast? I am, but I wouldn't say I'm a nerd. <laughs> like about like it. me, yeah. is what you're saying, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy craft beer a lot, uh, specifically like sours, reds, and then probably like the New England style IPAs, unfiltered. Um, there's a lot of good breweries out there in California, especially in Los Angeles. Uh, off the top of my head, like McKellar. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, well, I can't think of any other ones right now. Absolutely, McKellar. Funny enough, right here, right now, at the St. Buckbass they have an Evil Twin versus McKellar oh. beer event going on. Okay. Oh, the other one, Modern Times. Yes, Modern of course. Modern Times yes. is a big one over there from San Diego. Um, yeah. 
lots of good stuff. But anyways, yeah. Cheers. Take me back to your youth. You're growing up in your house. What music was playing? What music did your parents listen to when you didn't have control of the radio? My parents were weird. Um, so my mom would always listen to typical Mexican radio. Mostly grew up with Gabriel Iglesias. Um, you know, Vicente Fernandez, that uh, kind of stuff. My dad was kind of all over the place, which is kind of where I'm at. He went everything from the Bee Gees to ACDC to just straight up disco. That was his thing. Uh, but he had a side to him that was also into like hard rock. So Van Halen, Black Sabbath, Zeppelin, uh, Bad Company. Um, that was kind of my introduction to a lot of rock. At what point did you feel that you wanted to become a musician? Where did that come from? Do you remember that moment? I can tell you one of the big turning points that I always will remember. Um, it was right after high school trying to figure out what I really wanted to do. I was already like playing for myself um, and playing in bands and stuff. But right after high school, I was thinking about joining the Marine Corps. Really? And yeah, I actually went and I took the entire test and everything. But it was... I can't remember the year, but it was the first headlining tour. It was Behemoth co-headlining with Gojira. And they played at the House of Blues. And I saw, I've seen Behemoth multiple times before this, but there was this one time where I just, I felt the energy and it was in a different kind of way. And I was like, man, you know what? I want to give this a shot and actually try to make this, see what happens. And that's when I, I bailed out of the whole Marine thing and I took music and did that. Crazy. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. Well, yeah. Life would have been different. <laughs> yeah, it would have. <laughs> no long hair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. You have great hair, Eliseo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Being from L.A., you grew up in L.A., such a hotbed for tours coming through, a hotbed for people going there to make it. It must have been easy to form bands versus someone else. Not that really. Like in a small town <laughs> where there, there's there's no scene. There's such a scene in LA. I mean, there's a scene, but I think the difference is, you know, I think there's a pros and cons to everything, right? Um, I don't, I can't speak for how it is in a small town or anything, but for LA, there's so many people that are trying to make it. I feel like there's a lot of people that are lazy about it. They think it's just going to be somehow magical, or like they have entitlement, or you know what I mean. There's just lots of people, but then the quality isn't really there as far as the. Of a person. As far as musicians, yeah, there's plenty. But having to find somebody that's the right fit is a little bit harder, I think. How did that work out for you? How did you fit into the scene? How did you gather yourself around with like-minded musicians? What steps did you take personally to make that happen? How did you weed through the fakes? I don't really have a patience for people that I don't vibe with. So I kind of just don't stick around them, but... Eventually, you know, met Charles, met a couple other people, met um, and just hung out. And that was kind of it. Um, yeah, just, you know, just kind of vibe people out after a while. You kind of tend to figure out what people are about. If people are troublemakers, if people are decent people, decent human beings, that's really all kind of I, that's all I want out of a friendship. So <laughs> that's it. You're asking way too much. <laughs> don't be a piece of shit <laughs> or how about this don't be a malicious piece of shit you can be a piece of shit just don't be malicious about it <laughs> it must be crazy that the, the, the scene is just so different from here in montreal we're so helping each other while we're building whereas in la it's more of like a competitive cutthroat scene 
Yeah. I mean, that's in LA in general. <laughs> How did you learn to survive through that? You kind of learn to let things roll off your back. At least that's the way I am. Um, I don't really care. <laughs> I don't like anybody that, that, you know, everybody gets theirs eventually. Like, and I never, I've always managed to avoid shitty people. So. Do you think it's easier or harder to have made it? Find making it. <laughs> well, you know, you're, you're on a tour with, you have albums out. You are in a successful band. Maybe a little bit easier, I guess. Just because you have more opportunity, you have more things that are around you. You know, more the labels are out there, so you have more ability to reach somebody and walk up to them or get introduced versus living somewhere, you know, far away like Montreal where you might not have those that accessibility. So Tell me that story, your first show, the first Abysmal Dawn show. That was How at did the that go? Marquee in Denver, Colorado. That was right after I joined the band. Um, that was 2011. It was... I have a pretty good memory, surprisingly. I like this, yeah. <laughs> we were heading out to meet the Obscura Tour with Last Chance to Reason, and it was a one-off with Arsis. Arsis, Abysmal Dawn, and I can't remember the other bands. I think they were local bands. But I remember being very nervous because it was my first, I would say, professional show, like being on the road. Whereas before I was just doing like gigs around L.A. with, you know, my own band that I grew up with. Um, just remember being pretty nervous. But as soon as the lights went out and just got into it, you know, you can't see anybody. And it was fun. Just head running on stage. And yeah. How do you deal with your nerves? Um... I just get into the music, man. Like, headbang, you know, can't really see what's in front of me and just feel the music. <laughs> it's a perfect secret there for yeah. everyone out there. That's why we have long hair. Yeah. It's, it's Imagine just, people that go bald and then they finally cut their hair. Uh, that would suck. <laughs> the worst is that, do you ever make eye contact with somebody and it's like a little bit too long? <laughs> yeah, being the vocalist, I sort of have to. I try to, I try to keep it even just a little bit longer <laughs> to make it even more awkward. Personally. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have a new album coming up? Let's talk about that. You guys finished it. Finally. Why did it take so long? What were some of the obstacles that made made this new record take this long? Um, there was a lot that happened. So, I mean, after the Cannibal Tour, I mean, even with the Cannibal Tour, we had some lineup changes, obviously. obviously. Um, you know, Scotty joined Morbid Angel. Um, so we had to find new members and get a stable lineup. And then on the personal side, there was a lot of things that affected each one of us in different ways. I can't speak for everyone else, but I can speak for myself. Um, I ended up getting a DUI. So for everybody else that's listening to this, don't drink and drive because it will bite you in the ass. <laughs> um, but that really became a problem because the band where we record is on the other side of Los Angeles. So for anybody that doesn't live in L.A., getting across town can be anywhere between an hour to two hours just because it's so big. Um, so with the DUI, you can't drive, and that makes it so that I have to Uber, which costs $120 basically a day. Or take the bus. Or take the bus, but really, that doesn't really exist in LA. Really? <laughs> it does, but it's not really that great. Um, so that was the biggest challenge for me, aside from some other personal things. Um, and then, you know, it was just a long writing process, but at the same time, I think... It allowed us to create some of the best material we've ever written. 
Um, it, we're, we're the most excited we've ever been for something in a long time, and it's it was worth the wait. Is it say. like a process that you guys like wrote stuff, and then because it took long, you reworked it, and then reworked it again, and like let it digest? No, no, actually, it was very, it was very fluid, very natural. It was no egos. We basically all would meet up at Charles's place, and I would write something and show it to James, and we would jam out and just trade ideas and build songs off of it. Um, and then Charles would take it and kind of just formulate everything into like the structure that he wanted for certain ones, and it just came together. I think the longest thing that took the thing that took the longest is probably the lyrics. Um, but um, I'll let you talk to Charles for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the DUI. Um, talk me through that moment when you, it was all going down. Where was your head? <laughs> How did you feel? <laughs> okay. Um, it was actually right after the Slayer and Behemoth show in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, it was like the beginning of the Going Away tour. And I was trying to get home because I just, I was with my girlfriend at that time. And I basically hit a car. I rear-ended a car. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because it was a construction zone, but I slammed my brakes and barely hit them. And there was cops up front. But yeah, I was, you got to be honest, I was terrified. It was uh, not, it was a really low feeling point. Yeah. Um, and that phone call to Charles. No, How actually. How did that go? Um, so my girlfriend at the time ended up calling him because we had left his place. Okay. Um, so she told him, and he was freaking out apparently. <laughs> um, I called my girlfriend, and she walked me through it and basically told me I'd be out, you know, within the next two hours. But, you know, being 24 hours locked up, it feels like eternity. Every minute, you're just, you're cold. You're in a cell with a bunch of other people that you don't know. No blankets, you know, it just, it just sucks. You know, we think you're a touring musician too, so you've been on the road, you, you know, you get your, your things deprived of you, your toilet, your bed and everything else. And it's, you think that's bad, but once you're in actual jail cell, it's, it's worse. You know, I didn't think it could get worse. It's super, super <laughs> yeah. scary. I didn't know. Yeah. It's <laughs> never drink and drive. Yeah. Don't. Or just Uber or Lyft or get a Disney It's not driver. worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it. Especially because. If you're a touring musician and you want to be one, you're going to have problems getting into Canada. Which is my next question. What steps did you have to take to come here and drink a beer with me right now? <laughs> Having been convicted of a DUI. This beer is basically a $1,000 beer right now. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Why do you think they're so, they're so hard on certain things with borders? Probably because they can tax it. <laughs> okay. Or because they just... They, uh, they probably just don't want to risk it. I mean, what, I, what did you have to do? Like, you you spent a thousand dollars. What steps did you have to take to get yourself here? So there's different things you can do. Um, I went with the most for sure thing because I wanted to be here. Um, and I hired an immigration lawyer for Canada specifically. Really? Okay. Yeah. And she uh, she basically got all the documents, which for anybody that's interested, they're actually free. Um, but I'd rather have a professional actually write it out for for my for me and have all the documents I needed. Um, so she basically took that and took care of it. But uh, I needed to gather my history for the last 11 years of where I worked, where I lived. Um, Every for, country you've been to? All, all, no, stuff like no that? nothing no. like that. Just any, 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 that was my only conviction of anything bad. So just that. Um, 
it wasn't it wasn't too hard it was just more of the uh, more of the cost if i had to do it myself for free uh, without having to pay the lawyer i think that'd be more of a challenge because i don't know what it would be required <laughs> i am personally very bad with paperwork so i would probably go the same way would you ever feel comfortable the whole paperwork not work having a session basis come in how would you feel about that uh, at the end of the day, it's what's best for the band. Um, it's you know, it's not me. That's on. Um, it's it's what's the band is the most important thing. So yeah, that's cool. With that. Cool answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take me back to one of your worst. This is one of your worst moments in your personal life. What is the worst thing that's ever happened on tour to the band? I know that Cannibal tour, that van was killing you guys, but there must be something worse than that. I think that was the worst. Then give me that story, because I know that story, but everyone else doesn't know it. Um. So we basically did a can. Uh, I don't even know if we talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I'm sorry. Um, you said you had such a good memory. How well, the things I want to remember, <laughs> the, the negative things that I want to forget, I'm really good at forgetting. Um. There was something where I maybe a little bit worse, and it uh, it still had to do with that damn van. Um, 2013, I think maybe I don't really remember the year, but we had we did two tours back to back in the U.S. We did it with 1349 Origin, and then we went straight over to Europe with that wall. On the way back, we had to play some shows coming home, and it was around this time in the winter. And the heater in the van broke. Oh, shit. So we had to basically drive in the cold, like all bundled up from Philadelphia. Philadelphia all the way to Los Angeles, and we had shows in the way, so it's not like we can just book it and drive all the way home. We had, like, it took us, like, five days to get home. Shit. Without a heater. That was probably the worst one. That's pretty metal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. Hey, you want to make it, kids, you got to do certain (laughs) things sometimes. Yeah. You guys buried that van, though. It's gone. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it's it's in pieces, but I, I think it was sold off. What are you guys traveling in right now? We're on the tour bus. We're sharing it with uh, Vader and the Hideous of Video guys. That's badass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. Good party nights then. Yeah. <laughs> T- tell me about one of these party nights. What's what's a typical night on a Vader, Abysmal Dawn, and Hideous Divinity tour bus? Um... <laughs> Keep it keep it no names, but what's the vibe? I think majority of the people kind of actually just go to bed. <laughs> you guys are getting old. There's a few people that um, actually stay up and drink, or they we find a local bar and have a couple beers. Um, but there's been a few shows where there's some guests, and there's already 15 people on the bus, so it just it can get a little bit loud. But for the most part, it's been it's been pretty cool, quiet. Yeah, everybody's easy going. Let's talk about craft beer a little bit more. If you could do a craft beer for Abysmal Dawn, what style of beer would that be, and what would it be called? Personally, because it's my personal taste, I would go with like a, a sour, like kind of like a, a. Have you ever had like a hazy sour? Yeah, I'd probably go with the hazy sour because those are the ones that actually I prefer a lot. Those complex sours. Yeah, the one. Yeah, and then as far as the name, maybe a song title. I don't know. <laughs> Give me a song title. We'll make something up. Let's go with um, Soul Sick Nation. We'll go with Soul that. Sick Nation. The hazy sour. 
<laughs> sour sick nation. Soul sour nation. <laughs> that could work. What is the moment that you're most proud of having been an abysmal dawn? There's two. Um, we already talked about one actually, and that is the Cannibal Obituary Cryptopsy Abysmal Dawn tour. Because um, that was. That was definitely a dream come true, um, for sure. The second had to be going to Europe. Actually, there's three. Going to Europe with Death to All. And the third would have to be somehow being able to make it to South America. uh, And playing some awesome shows in Chile and in in, um, Brazil. Absolutely badass. Yeah. (laughs) South Americans know how to bring it. Yes. Pure appreciation for for the metal. Totally. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why why do you think that down there they're more extreme? Is it because less comes to them? So they appreciate it more? I don't know. I I believe that's what it is. I think that's what it is, for sure. I think they they just don't get as much as somewhere like Los Angeles or Montreal. It's harder to get bands out there. And that's, they just appreciate it. Or maybe they know how much work it takes to get a band to come out. That could be a two. What is a misstep that you wish you could take back concerning Abysmal Dawn? I mean, to be honest with you, the whole DUI thing, um, that, that affected a lot of the time that I got to contribute to a lot of stuff. I still got to write a lot of stuff and contribute it, but I would have been able to contribute a lot more if it wasn't for the difficulty of having to pay $120 just to show up. <laughs> How long is it going to be until you can get back to driving again? What is that process? That's all been taken care of. Um, so the process is basically in, Calif- in California anyways. Um, you take away your license for until you basically take an alcoholic course, which is a depending on your blood alcohol level, whether it was like ridiculously high or just normal. It's a three month program or six month program. Mine was a three month program, so did that, and then you are basically you have to have a breathalyzer installed in your in your car for six months, I think. Which you now have. I that's already taken care of. This was in August 2017. Okay, so does everything. So that's everything we can take care of. Yeah, that's all behind me. I'm able to drive. It's just yeah, yeah. That's the only thing that's left. So, so you went to see Slayer. You had a few drinks. Yes. And you just decided you you felt fine. Yes. Um, well, I, even further than that, I stopped drinking after a certain while, and then went over. You like there. planned it out. Yeah, I had actually planned it out, but at the end of the day. The best plan is honestly just get a Lyft or an Uber or just don't drive. That's basically it. Like, so ever since then, basically, even if I'm having just one beer, I'm not going to drive. I'd rather just pay to get my car towed or whatever, or take an Uber that costs over $100 than ever risk that again because not worth it. <laughs> not worth it. No, no. You guys have played with Death. You've played with Cannibal Corpse. Who would obituary... What is that bucket list band that you haven't played with that you would love to tour with? Personally, Gojira. That'd be badass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that'd be awesome. Or either Gojira or Behemoth, because Behemoth for me, as a kid, was always like, uh, I love their old stuff. I that was what I, what really got me when I when I was younger. Well, what what was it about that old Behemoth that drew you in? The live show energy. I mean, now they're still doing some great stuff, more great stuff, like with the atmosphere and everything else. But 
Man, back like in what was that? Two thousand, the early two thousands, when like demigods, los Cultos and like that whole era though, that was magic. That they had like raw, pure energy of just, just craziness, and that was to me like incredible. It's badass. Yeah. What are you most excited to do on this next record? Where do you want to play that you've never played? Where would you want to go? We're hoping to go back to Europe again because it's been over five years now also since we've been back to Europe. Um, we want to hit Japan up, Australia. Um, that's probably my bucket list for sure. Yeah. Eliseo. Thank you so much for coming, drinking craft beer with me. Cheers. Having a chat with me on Vox and Hops. I appreciate it, brother. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Much love and respect to Eliseo Garcia. So much fun to be with him. In case you were not aware, last Friday, Abysmal Dawn dropped a monster of an album called Phylogenesis via Seasons of Mist. This is a fucking incredible record that should be on your radar if it's not. I have been sincerely enjoying it since it came out last Friday. So go out there, listen to it right now. Phylogenesis from Abysmal Dawn. Much love to the Abysmal Dawn boys and crew. I love you guys, and I can't wait to see you all again. Don't forget that tomorrow I am hosting the Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hang. The link for that is available in the description of this podcast. Copy that Zoom link at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. Join me with a craft beer and some other Vox and Hops alumni and some Vox and Hops heads just like yourself, and we're going to hang out and chat for an hour. Until then, I hope you have a good rest of the week. And remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hopsets. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time. A secular religion, if you will with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts.